You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. So today we are going to be talking about conflict resolution. Uh, There are two different sides of the spectrum, and depending on your desire or sort of bend towards conflict, you fall on uh, one of these sides. You either hate conflict uh, and don't enjoy engaging in it at all, so you're going to feel uncomfortable with this episode, (laughs) or you love engaging in conflict, as my father did, and are going to be listening with open ears um, the entire time to see how you can better handle or engage in conflict with other people, um, especially those people who are avoiders. Um, So conflict is inevitable. Um, And in the last episode, we talked about how we need our organizations to be organizations that seek and share truth often um, and with one another um, so that we can accurately understand what our here is and we can accurately pursue our there, um, our mission uh, together. And uh, when there is truth sharing, inevitably conflict happens. Um, And the first thing to know about conflict is that it isn't bad. Um, It's actually a neutral entity. Uh, So conflict occurs when there are conflicting ideas or opinions between individuals or groups, uh, which happens all the time because we all have different perspectives. We all have different viewpoints with which we um, look at life and see things. And so we're always going to be coming to the table with a different idea or view than somebody else. And in the end, um, conflict is not actually uh, the negative thing. And we see conflict as bad usually because most of us don't know how to properly use the conflict resolution styles. Um, There are five conflict resolution styles, and we all have a natural bend towards one or two of them. Um, Within my family system, actually, um, most of us have a natural bend towards two conflict resolution styles that have been modeled to us, A, by my dad, and then B, by my mom. Uh, And so we have a natural bend towards each of those conflict resolution styles more than any other. Um, But every single one of us learns how to deal with conflict in a different way um, as a defense mechanism, basically, in order to protect ourselves from harm. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about how about what those five conflict resolution styles are and how we can effectively use these conflict resolution styles to um, to swallow, to uh, 
to understand um, and grapple with truth in a way that is unifying and effective so that we can um, take our conflicting ideas, take our opinions, and come to a point where we understand what is actually going on and what is actually true together. Uh, and we can only do that through humility. Uh, so, Joe, do you want to share the first conflict resolution style? Yeah, the first style, and we we went through these and came up with words that all start with the letter B that describe each of these styles to just help make it a little bit more interesting and, and give us a better idea of what we're talking about. And for any of you who are visual uh, people, you can go to our website at thecrossroad.net and click on tools and find a mental model of the five different conflict resolution styles. So you can follow along that way while having a visual. So the first conflict resolution style is what we call the boxer. And this is traditionally the, the, um, the style of competition. So as Kylie said, when we're sharing truth, conflict is inevitable. We are each viewing truth through different lenses, through different perspectives. And so some of you may have heard the story of the group of men who are sent out to describe this giant animal that none of them have ever seen before. And it's an elephant, right? And it's a bunch of blind men and they stumble upon this elephant and they're each touching different parts of, of the elephant. And then they come back and they're trying to talk about what they've discovered, like what this animal is. So obviously the guy that's touching the trunk and the guy that's touching uh, the tail and the guy that's touching the like foot have a completely different idea of what this animal is. And to them, it makes no sense what the other person is saying because they've been touching and feeling and thinking and imagining something that doesn't mesh with what these other people's perspective is. But the reality is, in order to really describe the elephant in full, we need to combine each of each of those elements. But conflict arises when what we're seeing and feeling and hearing and touching doesn't seem to jive, doesn't seem to match with what other people are doing. So the boxer, in response to that, takes a posture of competition. As soon as there's a disagreement, then it's like, okay, the gloves are off and or rather the gloves are on, and there is going to be a winner in this argument, there's going to be a loser, and I am definitely going to be the winner. So the boxer tries to win, tries to prove him and herself, tries to defend their position. And one of the things that we'll talk about is that all of these conflict resolution styles are valuable. They have their time and place. So the boxer has certain... Um, circumstances, certain kinds of conflicts, certain manifestations of conflict where it's appropriate. Kylie, do you want to talk a little bit about where the boxer might be appropriate, where they might be inappropriate since you are a boxer? <laughs> well, uh, the boxer would be most appropriate when one of your values is at stake, uh, when truth is at stake, and um, when something is true and right and you know it in the core of your being, um, you it is appropriate to fight in order to make sure that that truth is heard. Um, 
And so for Joey, one of his core values is actually truth. And he is willing, he doesn't like boxing, but he is willing to engage in boxing, in competition, in order to win when truth is at stake, when he feels like something that is um, at its core um, right um, and true, he will fight in order to have that side seen and understood. So, Kylie, what if the boxer is sure that they're right and they are not? You talked about um, responding based on your values and when you are sure that you're right. But I think we can all agree that there are times that we're sure we're right when we're not actually right. And there are times when we encounter people who are sure that they're right and um, and they're not right. I mean, I think all of us, to some degree at least initially entering conflict, feel as though we're always right. And there's some people who you can never really shake them from that perspective. So how how should a, how, how does a boxer, how does somebody that this might be their natural tendency, what like checks and balances would you suggest in terms of when to discern, no, this is really, truly true and needs to be fought for versus like maybe I'm engaging in some arrogance or some self-delusion and convincing myself that I'm boxing for the truth when really I'm boxing for my own way? Well, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but the first thing we need when entering into conflict um, is to really cultivate a self-awareness and check ourselves uh, and enter into it with a posture of humility. Um, I believe this to be true, but I might not actually be right. And so we'll talk about um, about healthy communication in a later episode, but we need to be able to listen to other people um, and not just fight for our own side, but actually try to understand um, what other people are trying to um communicate to us. Um, Because the only way for us to actually get at what is true and understand is if both of us are entering into this conflict with a posture of humility, of wanting to know and understand what other people are saying. And the thing I would add to that as a boxer is um, if you're going to enter into this competition posture of resolving conflict, You've got to be open to the idea of you losing. And so if I'm going to have a conversation based on um, what I think is the truth, if I'm going to fight for it, I've got to acknowledge that there's a chance I'm going to lose this battle. And it can very quickly turn into something that's about me being right, my perspective being accurate, rather than trying to discover the truth, even if that means me losing. So... As Kylie said before, there are some people that really love boxing because they feel like they can just strong arm their way. And we mask it behind like, yeah, I'm right. That's why I win all of these matches. Uh, But the reality is that if we're not boxing to discover the truth, if we're boxing the other person as an opponent, then we're going to lose. Not just like there's a difference between being right and being true. And uh, one of the things that we talk about often is when you're in conflict, um, when you're in an argument, your enemy is not the person standing across from you. Mm. Your enemy is falsehood. So we were watching, you know, those like uh, game shows where they have married couples and 
they ask somebody like a question and the, you know, the one partner writes the answer down and then the other partner has to like match exactly what they said. We were watching something like that and, and uh, they said like, uh, who won your last argument? And um, Kylie and I were laughing because the way that we think about conflict, the real answer that we both would have said is we did. We won the the last argument. We won against falsehood. We're on the same team. It's not me versus her. And so a boxer has to be careful that they're boxing against falsity, not against a human opponent, not to get their own way, but to discover what the right way is. And so if you're in her boxing, just beware uh, that you might lose and you also might need to lose and it might be better for you to lose. So those of you who don't really appreciate losing but are obsessed with winning, um, be very wary about how often you engage in this resolution style and how often you depend on and assume yourself to be the winner. The second B word in the conflict resolution style toolbox is the bolter. And the bolter is about avoidance. It's the exact opposite of the boxer. Um, Actually, I don't like conflict at all. I'm not comfortable with it. And so I'm out of here as soon as the ugly head of conflict rears its head because I feel really uncomfortable and I don't want to be here. That's the sort of narrative that the bolter takes. Um, Joe, do you want to talk about bolter a little bit considering you tend to be one sometimes? <laughs> yeah, this is one of my preferred styles. I think the again there's there's a time and a place for it. I think that the bolter um can be a, an advantage. Avoidance can be the proper response when emotions are just extremely high and we're in to a place of defensiveness and irrationality. So avoidance the the bolter can can be good for a, a moment where it says like hey, we need to like take a step away from this and, you know, catch our breath and uh, relax and give ourselves a chance to process what's going on. In our culture, our society really sort of worships the boxer, the idea of like fighting and standing up. Uh, and we really kind of shame the bolter. At least that's the way I feel about it, but probably because I am a bolter. Uh, but there is sometimes where stepping back in humility and saying like, we're not ready to do this right now is something we really, really need. Uh, so the bolter can be um, can be valuable. And I think what the bolter normally is thinking in their head is this isn't worth the conflict. Whatever we're fighting about isn't worth us arguing. The harmony of our relationship is more important than uh, the topic of disagreement. And sometimes that's just inherently true and needs to be established. And so the bolter can be an advantageous person because it can it can bring you um, away from a fight that doesn't need to happen. Now, obviously, on the flip side of that, the bolter can be somebody who avoids conflicts that need to be resolved and issues that need to be talked about. And historically, this has been a problem for me. And one of the phrases that just makes me feel queasy inside because of how true it is of me is false harmony. So we put on this mask of harmony of like, well, we're not really uh, in conflict. We're, we're everything's fine. We're OK. Where things aren't fine. We're just not talking about the things that aren't fine. 
so that's a false sense of harmony and bolters are are particularly um tempted by by that kind of quiet uh calm that is indicative of just a lack of conversation and clarity rather than a lack of of uh of conflict or, or the need to to have a to have a discussion the place where the bolter most comes in handy is when things get really heated um this happens in our marriage. Uh, I'm a boxer and I want to win and I get, I can get pretty hot. Uh, I know you can't see me, but I have red hair. Um, (laughs) and so it, I mean, redheads are known for being a little bit spicy and a little bit hot. And so when things, um, get a little bit hot and, um, and conflict is starting to happen, I tend to get louder. I tend to get angry. Um, and, this is where the bolter comes in really handy because if I enter into a conflict with my husband when I'm all spicy and feeling frustrated and um, my emotions are high, what happens is I enter into it from the perspective of I am going to win. And so it becomes less about us, less about you and me being on a team and being unified uh, and more about me winning. And so the value of Joe being a bolter actually um, really helps in our marriage because he doesn't want to engage with somebody who is a boxer. And so he will step back and it gives me time to cool down uh, and sort of evaluate my emotions, reset myself, think about how it actually makes me feel what I actually think about the situation, and then we can come together and we can try to resolve the conflict when my heat is cooled and when um, Joe knows that it's not going to be just a yelling fest. And, you know, we've talked about these first two and Kylie definitely leans towards boxer and I lean towards bolter. But one of the things we want to make clear is it's not, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves in any of these. There are plenty of times, all of the time where Kylie will take the posture of a bolter in order to avoid leaning in an unhealthy manner into the boxer. And so all of these are valuable and you are not one of these things. Mm -hmm. You have a tendency towards one of these things. But what we're trying to introduce is the idea that maybe you need to discern and really figure out when is the best and appropriate times to use all five of these different things. So Kylie, I, I see her all the time. She leans into avoidance when she's like, I'm too mad. This is about me versus you. And I need a hot minute to cool down. Because um, this is not going to be healthy. Yeah, because it's not going to be healthy. I'm if if we start if I start in this place. So uh, she utilizes something that isn't necessarily her natural tendency in order to help resolve the conflict most effectively. And the reason that I'm able to do that is because I know and understand that we're on the same team, and it's not about me. It's actually about our mission together, who we are trying to be together on a team. Um, So, Joe, do you want to talk about the third conflict resolution style? Yeah. So the third one is similar to the bolter, but a little bit different. It's called the bower. And this is a posture of accommodation. 
And so the difference is that the bolter just doesn't want to deal with this at all and runs away. It's the flight response. The bower is more like, um, it's like competition, but losing on purpose. The bower says like, you know what? Fine. You're, you have it your way. Whatever you think is, is okay. Uh, and, and it's a way to, to try to resolve the conflict quickly. And uh, the bower basically decides this isn't worth a lot of our time and our energy. Now, obviously, one of the poorer manifestations of this is it can be pretty passive aggressive. It does matter to you, but you're pretending that it doesn't in order to, again, maintain this false harmony. But sometimes the bower can be important when you're like arguing over um, where you're like what kind of takeout food you're going to get. And so like, okay, Chinese food is fine. Like maybe that's not what I prefer, but it doesn't really matter. So if you're if you want Chinese food, let's do Chinese food. That's an example of the bower who's just saying like, okay, um, we're going to we're going to just choose your way for the sake of this isn't worth arguing. It's a small thing. It's not worth us getting deeper into the conflict. The fourth type of conflict resolution style is the broker. And essentially what happens with the broker is you win a little and you lose a little. We're going to compromise and we're going to try to come to an agreement that we are both kind of happy with, but also we both feel like we've lost a little something. It could be that I want Indian food and you want Thai food for dinner. And so tonight we have Thai food and tomorrow we have Indian food. Um, I don't actually know if that is compromise because we're both getting what we want in the end. We're not really losing anything. We're getting more takeout. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's a compromise because whoever doesn't get what they want on the first night is obviously losing something. put Put out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go, people. Compromise. The fifth one is similar, but uh, but distinctive. And it's what we call the blender, uh, which is collaboration. And so collaboration is where you take the two perspectives and you basically come up, you synergize something different. And so you put the two perspectives into this like blender and you create a whole different organism that Uh, is different than the two sides presented at first. And so to use the takeout example, which we've clearly become obsessed with, um, if, you know, if person A wants Indian food and person B wants Thai food, maybe you collaborate and decide on, you know, kind of a third option, something different that is similar, like maybe Chinese food or, or something like that. And so... Uh, what collaboration looks like is how do I take the elements in a more significant way? How do I take the elements of truth that are in one perspective and the elements of truth that are in another perspective and bring those together to synergize a greater understanding of truth and what we're after? So you can see how the blender has the potential to be the most Uh, transformative, the most powerful of the conflict resolution styles. But it's not always possible. It's not always a a time. If there's one perspective that is really lacking truth or lacking truth in a significant way, then collaboration could be dangerous. What you may need to do is step into um, competition, into into boxing mode. 
but that's that's the idea behind co- collaboration. The blender is like, okay, you've got your perspective, I've got my perspective. What are we trying to say together? What's the shared understanding, the shared truth, and how can we, you know, sift through whatever falsities and bias we each might be taking to get to that cohesive, unified, uh, togetherness, um, truth-based thing. Um, and, and that might require some out-of-the-box thinking. And one of the one of the most important things to remember when entering into conflict, um, we can't say this enough, is that this is about us creating something together. And we always have to keep in mind the mission um, at the forefront. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about you. This is actually about us on a team, and we are fighting against falsity. Um, and so keeping that at the forefront of our conflict really helps us to come to a place where we can find resolution together, um, if not easily, then at least effectively. Um Another thing to keep in mind that I think is really important to understand about these styles is that uh, you could go through every single style uh, in a single conflict. Um, And so we might start out a conflict with the boxer versus the bolter. And then we come together and we actually end up, once the boxer has cooled down a little bit, um, trying to compromise in some way uh, or trying to broker something uh, and realizing that that's not really effective either. And so we enter into the blender stage where we we sort of come together and we collaborate and we say, okay, what is going to be best for both of us to effectively try to accomplish this together and find resolution? I have a great example of the the kind of just mishmash and uh, journey of of these conflict resolution styles. Um, Kylie and I backpacked Europe for a couple of months early in our marriage, and one of our first stops was London. And we had one of the biggest conflicts we've ever had during during our second or third day in London. And we were at a market, which is something Kylie loves to do and something I loathe doing. So we were at this market, and Kylie found this, uh, I don't know, blanket or scarf, scarf or something. something like that, that she really, really liked, but it was expensive. And I thought it was absurdly expensive considering how uh, the budget we were traveling on. So Kylie showed it to me, and, I'm, I, and I already don't like what we're doing. And so I feel this tension that we're doing something I don't want to do, so I feel unseen, unheard, unvalued, Right. And Kylie shows me this thing and I have this like huffy response to it. And so she feels unseen, unappreciated, unvalued as if something that she's enjoying doing, I just can't stand and, and, and acknowledge. So we both kind of felt this tension and stepped into accommodation like, oh, okay, you can, you know, we it's okay. We can stay at the market. It's all right. But we were both, our emotions were pretty high. So we quickly got into boxing mode and we were like, we always do what you want to do. No, we always do what you want to do, that kind of a thing. Uh, and then we went into Bolter. We realized that we had been yelling at each other on Notting Hill, which is not romantic. <laughs> and so we uh, kind of took a walk into separate areas of London to just give ourselves a little bit of time. And then we came back together and said like, okay, um, you know, realize that this is this is just kind of an absurd thing to be fighting about. Love each other, want to spend time together. 
So let's compromise. Why don't we go to uh, the market one day and then go do something that Joey wants to do, like go see an old church uh, the next day? And um, or I think what we actually talked about is what if Kylie goes to market by herself and Joey goes to do another thing by himself? But then we decided that's not really what we want to do. We want to do things together. So we collaborated uh, and and tried to figure out what does it look like to be at a market, but in a way that acknowledges Joey and uh, and gives ourselves some like time limits and things like that. Which basically means if there are books at the market, I have to stop and be willing to look at the books um, and allow Joey the time to peruse and browse and buy the books he wants. Um, but he has to be willing to acknowledge that that's not what I'm into and be willing to stop and allow me to peruse the things that I'm interested and want to do as well, while setting some pretty clear expectations and boundaries about how long we're going to be there, um, what we're going to be doing with the rest of our day, things like that. But it was it was early in our marriage, and there was a lot of tension in the few hours that we were fighting. But I think what's so important and what is the big takeaway when I think about that encounter is that we're on the same page. We're trying to figure out this life together. We're not like uh, competing against one another, trying to manipulate the other into doing what I want to do. We're trying to figure out how to have valuable individual wants and needs and bring that into a, a communal uh, setting. But as you do that, as you do these kinds of things, it, you can go through the whole gamut of these conflict resolution styles. And the more you uh, learn to engage in conflict together, the more you learn how to resolve conflict, the more you share truth with one another, the easier it becomes to be able to resolve conflict and to share truth. Um, on that same trip, we actually ended up in Venice at one point in time, and there was this church that Joey wanted to go see, and I just said to him straight out, like, look, we've been looking at old buildings, I feel like, every single day, and I just don't want to go to this church anymore. Uh, I don't want to go and look at it. I'm not interested, and I think it's going to be really boring. And Joey was like, okay, well, why don't we just do this then, since you you shared truth with me, and I understand where you're coming from. Um, why don't we look up something that you want to do as well? And so I'm a really tactile person. I like being creative. I like hands-on things, not just looking around. Um, and so we actually looked up online and found a place where I could go and paint a Venetian mask. Uh, and so Joey went and looked at this church, and I went and I painted a Venetian mask while he was looking at this old building. And we met up after and we both had a wonderful time. And all it took was us being honest and open with sharing truth with one another, being willing to hear one another, and then being willing to come to a resolution together. Um, because it's not about me or him. It's about us. And the bottom line is this. Conflict is a neutral entity. It's not good or bad. It's the way that we treat it that makes it good or bad. So if we head into conflict and we treat conflict as a me versus you endeavor, it's going to be bad and it's going to have negative consequences. And that fear, that prevalent reality is one of the reasons we tend to shy away from seeking and sharing truth. But if we enter conflict with a heart of unity and trying to do this together and work through difficulties to discover truth 
more wholly, more effectively, in a more united manner, then conflict is a great thing. Not only a good thing, a great thing. Because it's how we develop intimacy. It's how we grow trust with one another. It's how we discover more truth and a deeper perspective. All of the things that are valuable about being in community together necessitate conflict and necessitate reacting and resolving conflict well. All of this talk about conflict um, and one of the things that always comes up with conflict is emotions. Um, And so in the next episode, we're actually going to talk about emotions and how we can seek and share truth and resolve conflict in a way where our emotions are not getting in the way of us actually finding resolution together. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.